Prepare your ears, humans. Happy, Sad, Confused begins now. Today on Happy, Sad, Confused, Damon Lindelof on his comfort movie, The Last Starfighter. Hey guys, I'm Josh Horowitz. Welcome to another edition of Happy, Sad, Confused. So pleased, as always, to bring you a new guest to Happy, Sad, Confused, someone that I've wanted to have on the show for a long while, and apparently it took a global pandemic for him to come on, Damon Lindelof, yes, co-creator of Lost, The Leftovers, so many things you love, is on the show today talking about his comfort movie, The Last Starfighter, which is a movie I can guarantee Sammy Heller has never seen. Sammy, what say you? Never even heard of it. Well, this is educational, and this is a public service for you, Sammy. Hey, thanks. This is what this time needs. <laughs> well, I have a question Education. for you. I have a question for you, Sammy. Yes? Sammy, who's joining me from an undisclosed location. I'm looking at her <laughs> via Zoom right now, and you have, all I see is whiteness and portraits of dogs behind you, which yeah. is a little unnerving. Yeah. Well, you think it's, so I'm at my parents' house, 32 yeah. years old, and I'm now back in with my parents, and behind me are portraits of uh, two beautiful chocolate labs, Sheba and Cleo, who have been dead for over 10 years. Oh. Um, have they been, have they been the preserved? Are they, are they stuffed somewhere in the house? Are they... Their ashes are in the house. Of course they are. And, well, my parents have three children, four grandchildren, beautiful family, no photos there, just, uh, just, just the, uh, just the dogs. <laughs> Just the beautiful dogs. It sounded like you were about to break down. You were about to well up. No, I saw my dad inching towards here, and I knew he was going to try to, to hop in. <laughs> so it was, I set up a barrier no, really No quick. Zoom bombing on this podcast. No, <laughs> no. They really, my hand went up so fast. I was going to ask you when we started this, when I said the, the words The Last Starfighter, what would you guess, knowing nothing at all, I assume, about this movie? What is the la- Tell me your summary. What is The Last Starfighter about? Uh... I think it's like a one of the Star Wars prequels. Okay, enough. I'm Probably. Sorry. I'm sorry I even bothered. No. Yeah. Or I, first I thought you were going to say The Last Ship, which is I, a Sting is he, show. Oh, I thought it was like a TNT drama. Oh, no, oh. no, no. It could, could be, but no, no. I'm referring to the Sting Broadway production, which is touring now very good. Oh. Um, but no, you said The Last... Starfighter. So let me let, let me educate you. Nerd oh, stuff. All right, back off. Uh, the last <laughs> Starfighter. Um, everybody else is listening thinks you're a moron right now because the last <laughs> Starfighter is awesome. It's a 1984 film that's um, uh, it's it's definitely in the kind of um, Amblin-y, Spielbergian influenced uh, realm. Amblin-y. I haven't Amblin-y. heard that. It's is... an adjective. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I um, like it. I, uh, Damon and I will will bond over this in just a bit. You'll hear the real nitty gritty. But suffice it to say. Uh, it's a film that meant a lot to me, to young Josh Horowitz and to young Damon. And it's about a young man who is recruited to um, save the galaxy because he's good at a video game. So oh, there you go. There you go. There you go. And we love Damon Lindelof. Damon Lindelof, of yes. course, as I mentioned, uh, you were a Leftovers fan, right? Or, or Lost fan? Both. Okay, good, good, good. I guess I am a nerd too, Josh. <laughs> <laughs> So I was thrilled to catch up with Damon, who's always been uh, lovely to chat with over the years, but never on the podcast. So I'm glad uh, we finally got around to chatting. And, and certainly one day when all this madness is all over, he'll come by for a proper chat. But glad that we got a chance to geek out over a mutual love, The Last Starfighter. Um, 
Other things I want to mention, we should mention our mutual buddy, Ben Schwartz, who yes. not only has a great new series of specials out on Netflix. Three Middle of Dish, them. Middle Edition Schwartz. Mm-hmm. You, saw, wait, you actually saw at least one of these, right? I saw all of them. Whoa. Uh, whoa. <laughs> uh, where were they recorded? Were they in Philly? Or no, they... they were in New York. Oh, they were in New York. Okay, got it. So, um, so yeah, these are three different long-form improv specials. Of course, uh, if you know anything about Ben Schwartz, he and Thomas Middleditch are the best at this kind of improv. And these are uh, they're really funny. They're awesome. And Ben is also a guest on uh, one of this week's episodes of Stir Crazy on Comedy Central. Uh, I highly recommend it. It's a blast. It's bizarre. What do you it's guys stupid. do? It's silly. We... Um, play some games we uh we we use some green screen technology to <laughs> to to leave our 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 uh, homes to run around the world wow. um yeah it's good it's good stuff we play a game of who am i where we have to kind of impersonate famous celebrities oh um, both of you are rocking some crazy quarantine hair right, oh, right my, now so my hair is I, bananas his is wild too so um, i think just tune in for that alone yeah. Yeah, that's really that's really special. Um, so yeah, so that that's uh, worth plugging. Um, other things, well, I, you haven't been watching this. I don't know. You're the one person on the planet, uh, Sammy. You should really get with the program, uh, The Last Dance on ESPN. Everybody's talking about this. The Chicago yeah, not Bulls. Not about choreography or tap dancing. <laughs> Sammy tuned in, and within 35 minutes, she realized, wait, this isn't what I signed up for. Where is Fred Astaire? <laughs> um, but uh, I've actually. I got a sneak peek at some of the future episodes. It's a 10-part series. The first two have aired. I've watched, I think, the first five, and uh, it's great. It's a really, really well-done uh, documentary. So stick with it if you have started. I'm sure you're going to stick with it if you haven't already. Get with the program. This is a, um, a nice diversion in these times. Ten hours of, of, of good documentary material. That's good stuff. Yeah, I'll do it. Okay. You sold me. <laughs> Well, well, your standards are low right now. I heard you, you're, you're looking for the next binge, right? You're, you're searching? Desperately. <laughs> Desperately. Why don't you do like a, see, like a West Wing? Have you ever done the West Wing? Like a long one, like a really, one that's going to take I, a couple weeks. So I was really going to do West Wing, and then I was so afraid I'd get depressed. Yeah, it could go that <laughs> way. That's true. That's true. We, we're, we're contemplating going back to Battlestar Galactica, speaking of nerdy oh. things, which I've seen, but my wife has never seen. And she actually seems to express interest in it. So I should take advantage of it. I've it heard is rare. Good things. It's a great show. Oh, I, I if, could do that. If Jenny's going to do it, I could do it. I don't know if it's for the, the entire Heller family, though. I don't know if they'll get with the program. No, but half of them fall asleep halfway through <laughs> an episode. So it's you're, fine. You're drugging them. <laughs> yeah, it just has to have a good first 10 minutes. Oh, my God. Um, this podcast has more than a good uh, first 10 minutes. The entire conversation is worthy of your time. This is going to be Damon Lindelof and I in your ears talking about one of the geekiest uh, comfort movies there is from the uh, 1984, The Last Starfighter. Um, I recommend it whether you've seen the movie or not. If you listen to this podcast and don't want to see the movie, then we failed you. Um, but I think, I think you'll get a kick out of it regardless. Whether I'll be the judge of that. Okay. <laughs> um, remember to review, rate, and subscribe to Happy, Sad, Confused. Spread the good word. And one last plug. Remember to check out Sir Crazy on Comedy Central. New episodes uh, this week with Ben Schwartz and Olivia Munn. Both great episodes. I've, I've, Not together. No. Separate. Two, two different episodes. Got for it. Free. Whoa. Yeah, Whoa. Act, act now while, while it's free. Um, <laughs> I hope you guys enjoyed this conversation with Damon. And uh, take it away, Josh and Damon. 
Uh, I, I'm sad to say this is the first time Damon Lindelof has been on Happy, Sad, Confused. Only sad because I wanted you in my office, Damon, and we're doing it this way, which is not the way to do it. But it's good yeah. to catch up. It's really, it, it is sad for me because the whole purpose in doing it is to be able to make those faces with you. And now I don't even get to do that. I mean, so... This is this is an amuse bouche. We got it. Okay. We, we we're going to get through this this weird time in our lives, and then we're going to reunite and make silly faces. Um, you're holding up okay, though. You're 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 managing. Yeah, we're 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 okay. I mean, in the, in the grand and certainly in the grand scheme of things, I think that um, other than the fact that uh, Angelinos have now been asked to wear masks, and uh, and then like there's a, a parenthetical of even though they won't do anything for you, have fun with it. Like <laughs> literally in Mayor Garcetti's message, it was sort of like, this is a very creative community. And just like, and I'm suddenly like, did, were we just collectively given like a, a civil crafts project? Is that, <laughs> is that what, is that what's happening here? Cause, um, but uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm game. I'm all about masks, man. I'll, I'm, I'm, I'm ready to rock. Yeah. You were, you were ahead of the game this year. Um, oh, sure. Have your uh, what have your viewing habits been the last couple of weeks? Have they changed? Are you are you watching different sorts of things? Are you where are you at? Um, you know, had to do Tiger King because that's kind of what everybody's talking about. But um, the the two new FX shows, um, Dave oh, yeah. and Devs. Yeah, are, I've heard a lot about Devs. Is it is it all it's cracked up to be? Should I check this out? They're, they're both great. Um, okay. They're they're both great. Dave is uh, is uh, like single camera comedy in the vein of kind of like Louie or Better Things um, about little Dicky. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with him, but um, it's uh, he's a, a a Caucasian hip hop artist who has Jewish parents, and it's about his career and the people that he hangs out with, and very very Amazing. enjoyable. Nice. And Debs is just, you know, Alex Garland at his best and sure. um and Nick Nick Offerman and mystery and nonlinear storytelling and, you know, uh, weird tech gurus and it's just everything that I love and adore. And I was then, gonna say made for you, yeah. Yeah. And then my wife and I are finally catching up on the new Pope. We loved the young Pope. Oh, and I haven't stuck with that one. You're 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 enjoying second season. We have just we are three episodes into the new Pope, and uh, we're enjoying it as much as the the young Pope. Although uh, I don't want to give anything away, the young Pope, we, you know, is is not in it as much as we would hope. But is. there is, um, but the new Pope ain't bad either. You, you know the old saying: there's there's always another Pope. I've heard that. I've yeah. Heard that. Yeah, I'm trying to popularize it never, that. It never really made sense before just now. <laughs> but now, so, uh, now it makes sense. You're right. You're right. So, it's so, true. so as you know, I've, I've, I've temporarily changed the focus of this podcast a little bit. I mean, I, on the podcast, I've always geeked out with folks about movies that we adore, but it seems apt right now that we're talking about comfort movies, movies that really bring us a lot of joy in a time of stressful time. <laughs> we need these kind of things. So I asked you and you were pretty quick with your, with your comfort movie. I don't know if you went through a rigorous process or this one just leapt to mind. Would you care to tell the audience what your comfort film is and introduce them to it if they're not familiar? Yes, it, it, it did just leap to mind because I think you can't really overthink these things right? when you said comfort. The first movie that popped into my mind was The Last Starfighter. Um, 
which, and I, I purposely went out of my way to not uh, Google it or Wikipedia it or learn any uh, factoids about it. I figured that I would just break, bring my own, everything that I knew about the movie to this conversation, knowing that probably a, a lot of it was factually inaccurate. For example, I don't know who directed the movie. Um, uh, like, uh, but I do know, but I do know, I believe, and by the way, you should fact check everything that I say. I will. I've done my research at least. I will. Okay. I got, I got you. Okay. My, but I do know that the director of this movie, either the director, I think it's the director, could be the writer, played Michael Myers in Halloween. This is uh, correct. Nick Castle is, yes. is the original okay, yeah. The Shape. And and he and here's another factoid about Nick Castle. Um, interesting directing career. He did this. He directed some comedies that are somewhat forgettable. Mr. Wrong, that Ellen DeGeneres won, Major Pain. But he also, you'll appreciate this, he wrote, or at least co-wrote, Escape from New York. What? No. Well, yeah, that makes so there, sense because he because he had the Carpenter connection from Halloween. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, and the lead of this film was in Halloween too. Um, we'll get to him in a second. Um, hey, did but, you, did you know that John Carpenter is actually, in addition to writing his own musical scores, a a master carpenter? That's not true. It is not true. But <laughs> but it could be. I was going to say. There is another factoid about John Carpenter besides his musical prowess. He is a crazy um, – I think he's like a crazy gamer, like uh, NBA fan. Like that. Like that's oh, really? what he lives for. Yeah, that's what I've heard. You know who is a master carpenter is David Lynch, and that is absolutely true. And if you, and if you watch this new crazy thing that he dropped on Netflix a couple of months ago where he's yelling at a monkey for 20 minutes <laughs> in black and white. I'm not joking. He, gotta go. Then, gotta watch this. Okay. Oh, oh, oh! You have to see it. It's a he smokes cigarettes and yells at a monkey, and then the monkey sings a song. But at the end of the movie and the credits roll, it's basically like written, directed, and chairs by David Lynch. So he it. like he built the set. So <laughs> Master Carpenter. That's true. Okay, we're, we're we're both bad at tangents or good at tangents. We digress. So let's, let's, yeah, we do. We do. So okay. Last star what what would you say the elevator pitch was probably for The Last Starfighter? For those uninitiated, what's the, what's the story in a nutshell? The elevator pitch is that a, a, a sort of down-on-his-luck, you know, post-high school, not-going-anywhere young man lives in a trailer park, and he is, is want, wanting to get out and make something of his life, but things seem to have stalled out, dead-ended for him, and he's got a great girlfriend but not much else, and he, he just dreams of being more. But the, his one diversion is that there is this arcade game that is, that is at, outside the sundry store of his trailer park called Star, the Starfighter. And he, he plays this game, and this is, his, this is how he's able to escape. But he, he gets really, really good at it to the point of mastering sort of like its final level. and He gets to the end screen. And, um, and this is like a major accomplishment for him. And later that night, um, an emissary from a, uh, a galactic, um, a war happening many, many parsecs away comes to him and says, this game was a way that we recruit the best and the brightest from all over the galaxy to basically fight the good fight. And you are now a starfighter. So come and hop into my, 
shitty space car and we will blow <laughs> hey, hey, hey. off. And, okay, sorry. Um, it's 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 no DeLorean. Um, it's DeLorean ish, yeah. It's DeLorean esque, and uh, <laughs> and let us blast into this into this into the into the stars and let's go fight this fight. Well, unfortunately. This this kid, once he gets sort of a look at the reality of what space war looks like, he opts out. He says, "I I'm, uh, I would rather um, not engage in this." And it feels very dangerous to me. And while he is returning back to Earth, having chickened out, um, the bad guys attack and they kill all of the starfighters. Uh, I think there's <laughs> there's only fifteen of them, if memory serves. So not a not a lot of starfighters, and now he is the last starfighter, um, and must go single-handedly bring balance back to the uh, the universe. I mean, that was like a... that wasn't just an elevator pitch. It was that, it, maybe if <laughs> there was... were like eighty-five floors, but <laughs> that's the gist. That was the official pitch meeting, actually. Um, it's a clever conceit. Uh, I read up that the, the screenwriter, a guy named Jonathan Betwell, Betwell. We'll see if we. I probably butchering that. But apparently his idea was he wandered into an arcade and he thought of the once and future king and basically said, what if a video game had basically been the sword and the stone? That was that was his angle into it. Um, so oh, interesting were, because so one of the reasons this is my comfort movie is I had yeah. a friend named Ben and we watched The Last Starfighter together obsessively because we had it at VHS for some reason. And our parents got divorced at the same time. And so we would hang out with each other and watch this movie and something wicked this way comes. They were like the two movies. And we would just, one of the quotes from the last Starfighter that I always remember is that uh, Robert Preston, who plays the, the character Centauri, who, who recruits um, this kid from earth. Uh, he, he brings him to the, um, to Starfighter base. And we find out that, that earth is not actually even supposed to be, uh, a, a place you can recruit from because they're they, they're not yet punched into the galactic um, team and uh, and the guy who busts Centauri's ball says up to your old Excalibur tricks again, eh, Centauri? And so the <laughs> name of the the name of the recruitment uh, plan is Excalibur. So um, uh, that is an interesting factoid that you have now you've now made sense of that quote. That <laughs> so have you? Trying. Have you returned to this film in, in in recent years at all? Like, what's the last? Do you remember the last time you've seen it? Uh, in its entirety, I probably saw it again, like maybe five or six years ago. I think I showed it to my son. And did it did it work for your son? And did it work for you? It like it 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 feels like all '80s movies do now, which is. I have a tremendous amount of nostalgia and love for them, but they move much slower than I remember them moving. And so, and this movie was like no exception where there's like a five minute long scene of, uh, one of the best things in the movie is that when he goes off to fight in space, they leave a decoy of him in the trailer park because they don't want the bad guys to know that he is, uh, is is in space as a last starfighter, and so they want the bad guys to think, oh, he never left the trailer park, and so they keep sending alien hitmen to assassinate the decoy, but they don't know who the decoy is, and uh, all these um, like fun hijinks ensue. But there's like a five minute long scene where the decoy is like putting up an antenna, 
in in a trailer park. And it's just like, what? Why is this here? Why does this exist? Well, um, can I can I interrupt quickly to tell you why it please? exists? Yeah. Apparently, another factoid I've uncovered: test screenings wanted a little bit more humor, so they they added uh, additional photography of scenes with the beta unit. Beta unit. So there's much more oh, beta wow. unit thanks to needing some more comic relief. And so the. the is there a scene where he is where he's putting up like an antenna on a? That's I, the now, one that I remember as being yeah very, oh yeah oh yeah, yeah. Very long. yeah that, that's in there I think that's in there it's interesting you say the pacing I, the thing that jumps out to me because I, I you you let me revisit this uh, thanks to your pick and I was happy to because I I have a, a ton of affection affection for this too is I think the elephant in the room we haven't talked about yet is <laughs> the <laughs> there are a few elephants maybe is the effects in this film. Oh my God! Um, which were along with maybe Tron, I would put it in that category. They were like they they just took seven leaps. They were like we're going to go for it. We're going to do CGI before CGI is ready, and all of the space battles are full on CGI as best as it could be rendered at that time, which isn't great. Um, and I think renders the film maybe an artifact of the time and and, and perhaps hard to digest for a modern audience. It it definitely stuck out as I will say that when this movie came out after Tron, if memory serves, yes. But like, but part of what made the effects in Tron work was that they were inside a video game, like, and so you were kind of like, oh, okay, like the light the light cycles look cool, like I, I, I'll go for this. That is not the case in Last Star Wars. <laughs> they like the 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 car the the car that launched that that launches into space it is real on earth but then it becomes like computer generated when it's flying through space and um and it's not and it's not good and then there's like a scene where they're like hiding in an asteroid um where they're all like they get into sort of like a um like a battle with some other at some enemy ships and the asteroid is cg as are the enemy ships as are the lasers and it cut it's cutting in between that and the live action of uh, of our guys in the ship, so yes, it's it, it's not um, it, it, it doesn't hold up as, as the kids say. <laughs> now I, I want to say this is all out of love because I still have I still actually really find a lot of comfort in this film too. I think oh, it's fantastic. There are a lot of great things in it. I, I love the score in this film. The music is, in, is just like one of these soaring, great like John Williams esque, but it wasn't John Williams. It was a a, a guy named Craig Safin who has does. His filmography is not that like doesn't jive with me on other other respects, but this one clicked. Um, right, but it's full like it's a full, it's a full orchestral yes. sort of like you know big movie score. Yes. And with let's talk. Yeah. And yeah. No, no. It's. It, it, I wish I could hum it right now. I'm sure if you started, <laughs> I could finish. Well, every year, that. every year when I'm watching, I want you to, to note this on the next Super Bowl. I tweet the same tweet every year watching the Super Bowl when the um, Lombardi Trophy is passed from hand to hand after the winner of the Super Bowl uh, 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 wins. Um, they play a theme that is like is basically the last starfighter theme. And I'm, I, it's, oh, it's, wow. it's a bizarre sound alike. So there's, there's my connection to that. Um, Fascinating. So, okay. So the cast, let's, let's give some, uh, some, some, some facts on the cast. It's, it's mostly not necessarily familiar faces. Uh, Lance guest is Alex Rogan. He's our lead. I think he does a fine job. You have uh, Dan O'Hurlihy under a lot of makeup <laughs> as Grig. Uh, yes. He's a, he's a lizard guy. There's, lizard. Yeah. 
Yeah, I don't want to interrupt the cast, but when as as you mentioned these things, I will just I will just share memories that I have. There's a scene where where Alex and Grig are showing each other photographs of their families back on their respective planets. And if me- if memory serves, Grig's planet was either just blown up by the bad guys or everybody was enslaved. I'm, I, I might be confusing it with enemy mine. But, <laughs> in, but, but in any case, he, he has like, here's a photo of my wife. And it's just like, it's just a lizard woman. And she's wearing like a feather boa and like, this cute little outfit, but there's like, but she's underground and surrounded by rocks and is like, what is, what is this? Um, I'm, I'm uh, so glad you mentioned that because the factoid I have related to that is that the actor who played Grig's wife is the same actor who played Grig. No, I, I shit you not. Dan, Dan. <laughs> it's, just, it's just Dan O'Hurley. Yep. In, in reptilian drag. <laughs> Someone had to do it. <laughs> wow. They call that they they call that dragon. Yeah, if, it, no. if it's reptilian. No, you're better than that. No. I uh, <laughs> am I? Am I, Josh? Uh, let's move on to the great Robert Preston, the most recognizable face in the film, of course, oh best God. known for the Music Man. He's essentially playing the Music Man again in this film. Like that, it's, he, it's that character. He is not an actor who is known for for great. Um, he's no Daniel Day Lewis, I think. Like, um, in terms of if he's going to play Bill the Butcher, he's going to he's going to do it by way of uh, of, of uh, Professor Henry Hill. So, um, and, and by the way, not that not that big of a leap between those two characters. But yes, he's he's marvelous and fantastic, and um, and. Uh, uh, is in it just for the money and has a very long death scene um, uh, that gets negated at the end of the movie fairly arbitrarily, but but that's okay because it's Robert Preston. And I think it's his last movie. It is. It's his last film. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah that, that the, uh, the revival, the resurrection of Centauri at the end has maybe my favorite line in the film, which is when... Centauri! Um, I thought yeah, you were dead. Exactly. <laughs> Great. That was that was another one. Yeah. Zatari, I thought you were dead. Perfect. Perfect. Um, you know, naming things in films are is pretty important, Damon. You know this as a as the top-notch screenwriter that you are. Uh I love that the ships are called Gunstars. That's cool. Yeah, that is a good name. On the other hand, and we referenced this in our correspondence with each other, the ultimate yes. weapon, <laughs> the yeah. ultimate weapon that he relies on that wins the the day is called a death blossom. A death blossom. That's right. Um, and I, 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 I like I, 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 I like what they were going for. Um, and it's interesting because I had forgotten what what it was called, and then I was at the Outback Steakhouse a decade ago eating a blooming onion, and I was like what was the name of that? It was something like bloom and onion. And then <laughs> it turned out to be death blossom. Yeah. So I, I, I think that the idea of some, uh, something that grows, I don't know. And it, it's, it, 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 it's, it's, but it's, it is kind of a good name for a band. That's true. We're death blossom. Yeah, totally. <laughs> totally. We're, totally. we're opening for Gunstar. <laughs> exactly. 
Uh, probably exactly. Gunstar opens for Death Blossom. I don't know. It's debatable. It depends on the year. Uh, yeah. Speaking of the year, I, I, I was just inspired to look at the, the summer of 84. So this movie opened July 13th, 1984, the heat of the summer. Um, not to be one of those guys that like things were better back then, but let me read you the summer of 84, like major releases. Okay. You ready? Yeah. I, I think, yeah. I, I remember one movie that came out okay, summer of 84, me. I think. What's, what's Purple that? Rain. Purple Rain did come out. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I remember that. Yes. We also have Conan the Destroyer, Star Trek uh, 3, Buckaroo wow. Banzai Damon, Dreamscape, oh Red yeah. Dawn, Muppets Take Manhattan, The no. Natural, 16 wow. Candles, Top Secret, Karate Kid, Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom, Gremlins, and Ghostbusters in that summer. Wow. Wow. Gremlins was a summer movie? Yes. I know it does feel like a Christmas movie, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it's a Christmas movie, but I I, I forgot that it took place in the summer. And then, and then, ah, that's so interesting because I have it in my head that the PG-13 rating came into effect because of those movies. But I also have it in my head that Red Dawn is the first PG-13 movie. See, I thought... yeah, Can't I thought be it, right. I thought I mean I'll try and googling while, while we're talking, but I thought it was Dreamscape actually. Um that Temple of Doom spawned the PG-13 but I'm going to do some quick I thought research. it was Gremlins that spawned the PG-13 rating and that Red Dawn was the first PG-13 movie, but I could be I I am clearly wrong about that. Yeah, but and also Temple of Doom was another movie that should have been PG-13 cuz when oh, they yeah. take Indy's heart out. Yeah. <laughs> No, we're uh, both thinking I, the same thing. Uh, the the answer is the first PG thirteen movie introduced on July first, nineteen eighty four, Red Dawn. Ah, so I was right that it is Red Dawn, but I was wrong that it was in response to Gremlins. It would have been too quick a turnaround. I don't think they like right. They couldn't have put it together so quickly. No. Um, so I'm, I was actually kind of surprised by this. Do you want to guess what the Rotten Tomatoes score is for Last Starfighter? How the critics received it? So does so Rotten Tomatoes, do they aggregate critics at, like, now, people who are talking about the movie now, or do they look at reviews that were published at the time? It's a great question. I think it's a mix, and I think you're, you're heading in the right direction because of it, yes. I think it does aggregate current reviews, looking back, as well as those at the time. I, I would put it in the low 80s. Yeah, you're close, 77%. Um, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's good. It I mean, is good. It's impossible to not like The Last Starfighter. I mean, even it, it, is, it is more clever than it needs to be by half. Right. And it's got several memorable bits of sort of goofiness, including the, the heavy, who is this very like Prince Joffrey-esque <laughs> kind of like, totally. you know, entitled man-child who is just goes all the way over the top and then it escapes at the end. He, 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 not by way of uh, any physical prowess, but I think that the ship that they're on gets hit by, um, you know, Alex and Greg and that allows him to run away and get into an escape pod. And so when the last Starfighter ends, they're basically like, well, this guy got away, so we still need you up there. But he's the most non-threatening 
bad guy ever. It's just sort of like <laughs> the only thing that made him threatening was he had somehow forged an alliance with this armada of the, the Kodan armada, these really, really right. bad dudes who have all been blown up at the end of this movie. So the idea that he is any threat whatsoever moving forwards is absolutely absurd. He he is the definition of like petulant child. And he, he, he does have like kind of a threatening, like, um, uh, um, not a sword, but something that kind of like it shoots out kind of like a blade from it. It's a little scary. Um, yeah, he has a, he has a scepter right. made for him. Uh, <laughs> they, 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 that's like his shtick. Like that's his like, Oh my, my scepter is finally ready. It's got a sharp, sharp blade at the end, but he doesn't stab anyone with it. No, I mean, he no payoff. They've clearly, there's no Chekhov scepter to be had in the last Starfighter. <laughs> Let's go through my my comfort movie questionnaire, and this actually is perfect. The first question I was going to ask you is, who would you award the best performance in this film to? I honestly, my award was going to go to Norman Snow as Zor. I think whatever he's doing, as over over the top as it is, I love every second of it. Um, Who do you think delivers the best performance? You know, it's a toss-up between, and I don't know the actors' names, unfortunately, but between... Alex's little brother, who oh, yeah. is kind Lewis. of mugging yeah. his way through the end, his name's Lewis. And right. so there's a scene where the beta unit that is impersonating Alex like has to take off its own head and repair itself. And it's and Lewis wakes up and from the top bunk and is sort of watching this and the beta unit's like, Go go back to bed, Lewis, you're having a horrible nightmare. Um and I I, I love that kid. But the but the but the but the prize has to go to whoever played Mags, who is Alex's girlfriend, um, yes. who really doesn't get to do anything in the movie um, in, in terms of like moving the plot forwards. And but she's just she's just wonderful and lovely. And um, and there's this one moment in the movie where the um, the beta unit sacrifices its own life to stop the enemy spy from transmitting information about Alex's whereabouts. And she just sort of like turns towards the camera and looks towards the stars and says, like, I, you know, I love you, Alex Rogan. And the music. Exactly. <laughs> and it was like, I rem- I would watch that. First off, I was clearly in love with her when I was 11 years old. But, but also like, I was like, to have anyone ever love me that much, um, you know, after, after my synthetic doppelganger gives its own life to protect me, that she would be so understanding in that moment. Mm. I, I was just, uh, adoring. And I don't like a, a lot of those actors. Um, you're kind of like, Oh yeah, she was in a couple of John Hughes movies or she, I, I don't think she was ever no. in anything ever again. She's only no. exists in the last Starfighter. It's almost yeah. like she just retired after that. <laughs> kind of on top. Catherine Mary Stewart is her name as Mags. And you, you keep beating me to the punch on every category because literally my next category was favorite line. And I was going to tell I, I was going to vote for I love you, Alex Rogan, because you're absolutely right. The, the wind machine picks up. The camera swoops in on the dolly. And that that delivery is just perfection. It's incredible. And it's, it's amazing. It's arbitrary, but it totally works. That held up. Like, um, when I saw that again, I was like, oh, I remember why I love this movie. Should this movie be remade, get a sequel, be left alone, Damon Lindelof? Oh, boy. 
Um, well, it is called The Last Starfighter. <laughs> Gosh. So you can't, you can't like retcon it into being like, well, that was actually the penultimate Starfighter. Right. This one. It's the last Starfighter <laughs> 2 or the last star, Starfighter really this time. Um, but I don't know. I mean, like, it is one of those things that I, you, sh- you wouldn't do as a movie. But if, like, if you did, like, a cool 10-episode limited series where, like, it, it started, like, where uh, essentially Lance Guest gets killed in the pilot, right? Like... Um, and it, it, and it's some kind of like meta analysis of, oh, the, there was this really cheesy eighties movie that came out, but it was all real. Like mm. that might be an interesting way to do it, but you can't, you couldn't do it straight. Um, even though you're hot for Zor, clearly, um, you want <laughs> to know, that's, you want to know what happened to that guy. <laughs> Last yeah. Starfighter 2, hot for <laughs> Zor. It's more of an erotic thriller. Yeah. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'll have you know exactly. that uh, Gary Whitta apparently has written a sequel or something in recent years to The Last Starfighter. We don't know much about it. I don't know where it is at, but there were reports a couple of years ago that Gary Whitta, who is credited on Rogue One, among other things. Um, you know, someone told me I was gushing about The Last Starfighter in a writer's room a bunch of years ago. Someone told me that they had seen a musical of The Last Starfighter. This is true. Off-Broadway. Yeah, yeah. But uh, I have not been able to verify nor hear any of the songs. Uh, And that is, again, I should be Googling that post-haste. Exactly. I have to imagine I Love You, Alex Rogan is the fifth track. uh, (laughs) Or the close close of the first act of the the show. Oh, Um, Lord, I hope so. So I should mention uh, the good news, if we have enticed you folks who have never heard The Last Starfighter before, it is, of course, available on, like, every possible streaming service. It's iTunes, YouTube, Amazon Prime. Uh, I really I, – I, I think it does hold up in enough ways that um, will work for any audience. If you can get past the, the effects, uh, it's a very sweet story. It's a very earnest story. And, um, and yeah, having watched it a couple nights ago, it, it holds up well enough for me. It's, 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 a, it's a fun movie. I agree. I, you know, look, there, there's so much uh, out there to watch right now. I do think it's a good movie for like six and seven year olds, um, like who aren't quite cynical yet. And I think that I remember the thing that was most cool to me about that movie was that at, at that point, I, I definitely had an Atari and maybe a ColecoVision, which were the, the um, and, or maybe Nintendo, but I think Nintendo didn't exist yet. Anyway, but parents were starting to say to kids, stop playing those video games. They'll rot your brain. There's nothing good about them. And The Last Starfighter was like a movie that essentially said playing video games is the most important thing in the world. Like if you can get good enough at a video game, you could potentially save the galaxy. And this one – I remember that. Yeah. This one and like Iron Eagle. I feel like if you were good at like a – a flying game you could defend our That's country, right. right? Yeah. Uh, um, what's my last question? Gedrick. I always try to, I always try, <laughs> Gedrick. I always like to uh, plan a double feature, a potential second film to see with this. I was racking my brain. I mean, Tron is kind of an obvious one from a tech standpoint in that era. I was also thinking Explorers, maybe. I don't know. There's oh, something, yeah. there's something to that, maybe, right? 
the Joe Dante film. Um, Certainly, and but I, I actually also do group it with Enemy Mine, which does totally hold up. I mean, it's zany as hell, right. Enemy Mine. But I haven't seen like, that forever. Yeah, Lou Gossett Jr., who um, who was in Watchmen, all I wanted to talk to him about was <laughs> Enemy Mine, and he's like. This is just very odd because everybody only wants to talk about Officer and Gentleman. Right. And I was like, "Yeah, Officer and Gentleman's pretty good, but like, we need to do the we need to do the deep dive on Enemy Mine." And it's totally. it, it's not a comfort movie, but no, it, no. It, it it it's it's a crazy movie. I'll just say this: Louis Gossett Jr. is pregnant and That's gives right. birth <laughs> to a baby that is delivered by Dennis Quaid in enemy mine and then lewis gossett jr dies and then dennis quaid has to raise the baby as his own the baby of course is an alien baby um and if if that doesn't hook you i don't know what will (laughs) also directed by a fine director wolfgang peterson wolfgang peterson i know i discovered that years and years later i'm like what like a real director did this it's crazy um it's insane that movie I've I've taken up enough of your valuable time. I'll just say as we depart, um, you know I'm a fan of The Hunt, which people should also check out. The misunderstood great film that is 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 suddenly not so controversial when like the world is ending outside. It's like the least of our problems. Uh, but yes, people have misunderstood this. But this is just a great, I don't know, for me a, a dark comic satire and like a show stopping performance from Betty Gilpin. So Betty Gilpin, the best. It's, amazing. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's a it's a good ninety minute escape from uh, whatever misery you may be living in right now. And again, exactly. it's a, the movie had a lot of controversy surrounding it um, for a variety of legitimate reasons. But I've yet to come across a single person who has seen it who thinks that the movie is controversial or even borderline offensive. So um, yeah, check that out if you can. Definitely. Um, well, it's good to catch up, even in this weird format. Um, hopefully, we, we're all, we'll all escape our isopods soon enough, and the world will go back to semi-normal before too long. And uh, I look forward to seeing your smiling face in my office at some point. Ditto. And if we if we hear the the the, the last Starfighter adjacent theme at the Super Bowl next year, we're we're back on track. Exactly. That's how we know we've made it. I think we should it. be back on track by the Super Bowl. Let's pray. Let's pray. Uh, stay safe. All it's right, good buddy. to talk to you, man. Thank you, as always. You too, man. And so ends another edition of Happy, Sad, Confused. Remember to review, rate, and subscribe to this show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm a big podcast person. I'm Daisy Ridley, and I definitely wasn't pressured to do this by Josh. <laughs>